Welcome back to Hair of the Werewolf. I'm Chase, and I'm here with my co-host, Lily. Hey, guys. We are a supernatural horror podcast where we attempt to scare each other, often with the help of a drink or two, because if you're like us, scary stories help you forget the stresses of the week. <laughs> so cheers to all of you joining us today. And uh, what are you drinking, Lily? I'm having gin and uh, sparkling water. So we got a local gin. Um, yes. That like apparently won some sort of award. Uh, it's not. It's no PBR, but it won an award, <laughs> and uh, it's made by a company here in Albuquerque. So we decided to try it out. Yeah. It is not my cup of tea, and I'm a gin fanatic. It's a little bit mouthwash. Yeah, flavors. it's got like just uh, too much of. I don't know what you want to call it, like mintiness to yeah, it. Yeah, it's got like those minty kind of like refreshing kind of botanicals, which are great when you're cleaning your teeth. I prefer <laughs> juniper forward gins, and this is not juniper forward. But, yeah. you know, I mean, it's it's clean and you can tell it's made well. It's But that's what we're doing today. Yeah, so we bought the bottle, so we're going to have to drink it now. <laughs> but if you guys are wondering what you should drink, you should be drinking our Hair of the Werewolf tiki cocktail that we introduced a couple episodes ago. Obviously. Find the recipe on our social media. It's totally worth drinking. We've had several people who have drank it. We might start posting their pictures on our social media just so that you can see the world that loves it. Yep. But before we get into the stories this week, I've got a fun little news snippet to share before we get started. Uh, this heads up also came from our buddy Joe, who's been giving us a lot of stuff recently. Cool. Apparently, if you wanted to, you could buy your very own haunted village for just $173,000. <laughs> what? Which is cheaper than most houses here in Albuquerque and probably throughout most of the country. So the entire village of Lars, which L-A-W-E-R-S, Lars has been put up for sale for anyone daring enough to own it because it is apparently a haunted locale. Ooh. Lars is on the shores of Loch Tay, which is in Perthshire, Scotland. Uh, it was abandoned. The last time people left was in 1926. The entire village takes up just 3.31 acres. So it's a tiny little guy. Um, so how many houses are there? Like what? What's I there? don't know if there's any like still fully standing. They, I think mostly they're uh, ruins at this point. Sure. Okay. So, if you buy the village, you get such luxurious amenities as 17th century ruins, a private beach on the lock, a section of woodland, and fishing rights in the lock. Ooh. But the most important thing you're buying is the Lady of Lars, <laughs> who is a force that is thought Good. to haunt the village even to this day. While alive, she was known for making many morose and haunting predictions that came true. The most evil of which was the destruction of the village church in a storm, which did actually happen. And then less threatening ones like she predicted the coming age of steam in the form of steamships. So, I mean, okay. Oh, good. That isn't scary. It's not always bad news, I guess. It's not scary, but I don't even know if that means anything because Jules Verne wrote a novel called Paris in the 20th Century. And he made so many accurate predictions that creeped me out because he has like a million accurate predictions, but it's still not scary. This woman's like, there will be steamships, and people are like, ooh. <laughs> but <Witch>. anyway, <laughs> uh, either way, ever since the property was listed, it has been flooded with inquiries and offers. So even if you want it, there might be a bit of a bidding war, which seems to be par for the course in ah. the realty market these days. Anyway, right. so I did look at pictures online of the area. It's Gorgeous. It's like Scotland. Yeah, I totally want it too. (laughs) Uh, So it looks pretty beautiful. 
And I would honestly say if it weren't for the fact that we'd have to fight with getting like citizenship and residency in Scotland, which could be a big issue, I don't want to buy land if I can't be there for more than like three months every six months of a year. Like, Oh, yeah, because we're not citizens. Yeah. yeah and they don't give citizenship by buying land, which, you know, that'd not be even really- a visa. Not even nothing. I doubt it. We'd have to go there and we have to start a company and then hope our company could get us a visa. Lame. So, but anyway, that was a little news snippet. I just thought it was interesting for those of you out there who want to own a haunted village. Now's the time. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> all for you. All in Scotland with all the fun accents and good food. Oh, that's cool. I'm glad that when we tell friends to like, let us know if there's anything in the market, they're like, here's this haunted shit. You're like, <laughs> in it. another country. You're like, what are you trying to get rid of me? I'm like, what are you trying to tell me here? All our friends are like, we liked when you lived in Europe because you were gone. <laughs> Go away. Um, yeah, so that's pretty cool. I liked, I liked it. It's a little kind of mini story in before a story. Totally. So, I mean, there's not much more information of this lady, so I don't think it deserved to be a full story. It's just a little news bit. But anyway... Maybe we should get started because I think you've got a pretty good story this time. I do. I actually have a story. It was a recommendation from my sister, Vivi. She actually recommended this like a long time ago, but I was a little intimidated by it. Not not, not because of the material. Like I wasn't scared or anything, but mm-hmm. mostly because I was like, damn, this is a lot of stuff. Like a it's lot. A one. It's a big story. So that is why this story is going to be two parts. So, oh, yeah. So it's a, it is a big one. It is a big one. So this Look is part that. one. Vivi, shout out for giving us apparently scary material. And also a lot of work. So I appreciate it. <laughs> so if it's not scary, I'm going to judge her as well. I just okay, good. Because I was going to blame it all on her if it didn't work out. Sweet. Yeah. Good. We're on the same page. So the story I have today, it's called the Battersea Poltergeist. Like have you Battersea? Battersea. Like D-D-E-R? T-T-E-R. Oh, like like beer batter. Like beer batter, yeah. I actually thought, and uh, I'm not going to say how long I thought this, but I kept saying battle sea. Mm, so mm. for an embarrassingly long time, I kept saying that in my head until I looked at, until I really looked at the word, I'm like, oh, it's batter sea. So if I end up saying battle sea, I apologize. It's because <laughs> it's it's too late for me, but not for you guys. Well, the more you drink that gin, it might just, it's <laughs> going to come out. It's going to come out. So... It's not a different place. I'm just an idiot, so don't worry about that. Um, so, Bring it uh, on. <laughs> before I actually go any further, too, I wanted to give credit to a podcast called The Battersea Poltergeist. By wait, wait, that's actually the name of the podcast? Well, yeah, because it's only a nine-episode series. Oh, okay. okay so cool. it's like a little thing. Yeah, it's uh, hosted by Danny Robbins, who is like the main, main guy, but he also has some other professional investigators and psychologists that are on the team as well helping him out with the investigation of this case. Uh, It's very similar to like Unsolved Mysteries kind of where it's a documentary style, but it's also got dramatization. So they reenact a lot of the things that had really occurred. So nothing is fake in the sense that like they didn't make up stuff just to make it fun. They were just reenacting them. Um, And it was also released by BBC Radio 4. So it's really high quality. And they even hired professional actors. Mm. Yeah, like uh, the main girl, Shirley. They hired Daphne Keene. I don't know if you know her name. Mm. When I saw her picture, I knew who she was. She was like the uh, quote-unquote daughter in Logan, like Wolverine's daughter. Oh, the little girl, yeah. That that girl. And also one of the main characters in the story, Toby Jones, voices one of the bigger characters in the story. And he's the guy 
who was a doctor in The Winter Soldier. He was like the, I don't know what's his name, but like he was a character who who eventually like transferred his subconscious into a computer at the end or whatever. Like, I, I yeah, I know the actor. Um, yeah, I don't know. I forget what else he's in. He's been in like a ton of things though. Well, that's cool. Anyway, my point is it's that it's really well done, and I got a lot of their information from this podcast because before then, there really wasn't anything, anything, because the main girl, the person that it affected the most, didn't want to talk about it. So aside from what the media was able to gather at that time, and now there was like a huge gap of nothingness. Okay. So it's just like a really rich source of information sure and aside from articles that have come out since because of the podcast totally, so totally. i'm getting everything i can from all points so there's a lot of information now all of a sudden okay so let's start from the beginning uh this story takes place in 1956 in england more specifically on 53 wycliffe road in battersea south london at the time the neighborhood was somewhat poor um mostly inhabited by working class but since then, it's been gentrified, so it's expensive as hell to live there mm. now. Well, everywhere in London. Everywhere. Now. <laughs> Ooh, poultry guys. Ooh, poultry guys. I know. I was like, I bet I can buy it. Nope. No, you cannot. And you especially can't buy it because a house no longer exists. Mm. Yeah, I found out that the uh, that the home goes or the uh, numbers on the street go from sixty two to sixty four. From what I understand, the street was also shortened. So, like, I think the. 63 house was at the end and then they got rid of it at some so point. So there isn't like possibly not a new house that can... Right, I thought maybe like... Sometimes hauntings like an area, <laughs> not just a house. Right, or kind of like in a hotel room where they're like, there is no floor 13. It goes from 12 to 14. And there really is a 13th floor? But technically 14 would be 13, so what's going on here? Yeah, yeah some hotels like even that. have... They will have the 13th floor, but your elevator can't go to it, and it's a maintenance floor. Oh, yeah. I think you mentioned that, that before. Yeah. And, and I even saw one hotel where they had, like, a mini floor that was only, like, two feet tall. I saw on YouTube video. <laughs> and it was, like, they said it's so that they could have service people, like, run electrical or water oh, through there oh, and whatnot. Okay. And it was, like, mini 13 or something. So I so. bet they felt the knee. They're, like, there has to be a 13 because otherwise 14 is 13, and that's going to bother them. So that makes sense. But what people don't know doesn't hurt them. Unless it bothers the builder. Oh, that's true. They're like, or the owner or whatever. They're like, I know. Man, that's got to be hard being an architect and you're superstitious. <laughs> Good God, that's true. I will never build a building over 12 floors because I'm scared. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> so yes, this house is not there. So you can't even visit it. So even it's sad. I mean, sad, but not sad, I guess, you know. Well, your curiosity to visit scary places makes it sad, but right. I, think, I think the world might be a better place without a haunted house. I think it's fine. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, back to the story. On January 27th, 1956, Shirley Hitchings, who at the time was 15 years old, got up in the morning and went downstairs to get some breakfast with her family. When she returned to her bedroom, uh, she was going to make the bed, but before she did, she saw that there was an ornate silver key lying on her pillow. Mmm. The key was shiny and beautiful and had like these kind of swirly decorations all over it. She had never seen this key before. And when she went down to ask her family about it, they had no idea where it came from either. Shirley tried the key on everything that had a lock and just kept asking people about it. But nothing fit and no one knew. This story just sounds like it's the beginning of the secret garden. Like she's going to find this like beautiful garden. <laughs> but since it's this podcast, there's no way it's nice. No, like that. she doesn't fall in love <laughs> in the end. 
so, um, so her family, since I was talking about them, uh, living in the house was her father, Walter, but everyone called him Wally. Her mom, uh, Catherine, who everyone called Kitty. She also had an ado- adopted brother um, who was 20 years old. His name was John. And also her grand Ethel was also living with them. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> so uh, soon after the discovery of the key, the family was affected in other ways. One night, in the middle of the night, a loud tapping and banging sound started coming from all over the house. Mm. Mm-hmm. Shirley once compared the banging sound as being as loud as the blitz, which I'm like, literally as loud as bombs, apparently. The sound was coming from the root of the house, is how she described it. Neighbors even began coming by and asking what the noise was about. By so, root of the house, they mean like, is that supposed to be the basement or something? No, I don't know. It just, I think it kind of meant like it was coming within the walls, like it was the house. Oh, okay. As kind a, of okay. thing, yeah. So it was so loud that, like I said, neighbors were coming by, but the family had no answers for them. They're like, I, I have no idea. We can't control this. During the documentary, actually, the team attempted to recreate these banging sounds just to get a feel for how loud this actually was. They even tried getting um, participants, uh, so like people who, in other homes nearby, to be like, hey, uh, can you let us know if you hear anything? We're going to be conducting an experiment. And they're like, okay, whatever. So slowly they raised the volume up to the point where it got louder and louder, and they ended up blowing out their speakers. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, When this happened, they were like, okay, that was loud as hell, and I'm sure everyone heard. But no, when they asked the neighbors, they were like, "Um, it was kind of faint. It kind of sounded more like you were moving furniture. Uh, So if that was true, whatever the family was hearing must have been insane. So the neighbors, what they were hearing was soft. But they could hear it, so it had to have been loud. But what what they could actually hear was soft by comparison. Mm-hmm. And I mean, if they said it was like the Blitz, I mean, explosions and everything, they blew out speakers. That was deafening and horrifying. It would have been deafening, exactly. What the heck? Man, and even even like at the beginning of Conjuring when Annabelle's knocking, and that's nowhere near that loud, that was still startling as fuck. Well, yeah, because it was so quiet, and when you're in the theater, you're like, safe. And then the whole <laughs> crowd jumped, we're like, what the hell? I know, you can hear everyone like gas. It was an amazing. Amazing experience. If you never saw The Conjuring in theaters, that was sad for you because Mm -hmm. it was so much fun. Um, After a couple of weeks, the family that were experiencing the sounds eventually gave the entity a nickname. So they felt at this point he was going to stick around and that's just how it was. They ended up calling him Donald. I guess the reason why they gave him the name Donald is because some family members, particularly Shirley and the mother, felt like it was a male presence. Mm. They really had this strong feeling that it was male and uh, always felt him watching, which is... And did they maybe hate a human in real life with that same name? And they're like, I don't like this entity. We're going to give him that name. (laughs) No, but I also... It was in the podcast, but I also saw in an article that I guess it was compared or they were making funny names. They were coming up with funny names at first and they landed on Donald because of Donald Duck. (laughs) <laughs> and I'm like, okay, well, that kind of makes sense because he has a bit of a tantrum. So, um, and how oh, man, and no one understands him, right? So it's kind of like he's just banging around, doing whatever the hell he wants. That's so. amazing. I love it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, so Donald, it was. Which, by the way, if you haven't figured this out by now, in some of our stories, once you start giving attention to anything, mm, or especially worse. naming it, mm-hmm. it gets um, worse. Yeah, arguably a bad move here. So 
let's get into more. Yeah, so I guess that should be something we need to take to heart. If we're ever somewhere and we feel like it might be haunted, we don't talk about it. Just the next day we come over, we'll have like crosses with us or something. <laughs> we're not acknowledging you. I suddenly have a lot of crosses. <laughs> I just had this feeling like I needed more crosses. Who'd have thought? And a lot of holy water. Uh, <laughs> it just tastes better. Yeah. Okay. Oh, <laughs> Sorry, I was just thinking about like the holy water that's by the door that everyone puts their finger in. I'm like, huh. <laughs> salty. Yeah, I mean, you know, a place is haunted when the tap water tastes like Dasani. You're yeah. Like, uh. <laughs> so gross. Uh, well, as predicted, the activity did increase. It started out with furniture moving on its own. They would see a chair begin to drag across the floor, sometimes slowly and other times abruptly. Mm. Shirley also learned that she was able to communicate with it uh, somewhat at this time. The entity would react to her request. So, for example, if she asked it to stop, it would stop sometimes. Mm. And if she said, I know you're going to ask why would she do this, but she would sometimes request something to be moved and it would. Oh, well, I guess she's just trying to prove that it's real. Oh, right. So I'm guessing that's where where they were going with or that. Or she's just really lazy. She's like, she's like Entity, <laughs> can you bring me that pen? Like, I'm I just dropped my pen. Yeah. <laughs> we would probably abuse it. I'd be like, eh, it's probably going to cause more problems than good, but it's really convenient when they bring me a beer. <laughs> Change the channel, ghost. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's before remote, so definitely. <laughs> and she didn't have a little sibling, so who was going to change the channel? Right. So, Yeah. Uh, on February 18th, 1956, while the family was in the kitchen after a sleepless night, Shirley's scarf was thrown at one of the family members. It was sitting on the ground or whatever, next to her things. Everyone was cranky and told Shirley to stop, but she insisted it wasn't her. This is what is considered to be the first time that the entity started kind of revolve more around Shirley. Mm-hmm. Um, and from then on, things went even crazier, out of control. For example, heavy pots and pans would come flying from the next room, but no one would be in the kitchen. Even if there was someone in the kitchen, it still didn't explain the object's behavior. Sometimes the pans would fly towards someone or slam against the wall. At times, it would stop in midair, then drop to the ground, while other times, it would enter the room slowly, then quickly pick up speed and hit something. (laughs) So I'm like... Okay, so just imagine, just imagine, like, it's not the pot by itself. Sure. Imagine you can see the ghost, and it's like some teenager who's just, like, having trouble. He's, like, running out, then stops, like, ah, nah, I'm not going to do this. Yeah. Also, and then the other time, he's walking out slowly, like, sneaking, like, hey, who am I going to get? That one, go. Like, if you just imagine, like, some pesty total teenager that's actually the ghost doing this it gets a little bit funnier it does a little bit i mean it really does embody the donald duck thing because if you can just see the pan coming slowly and you're like oh damn who's it gonna hit now (laughs) this is so annoying freaking donald (laughs) so other things that would happen and this one is actually kind of funny when i read about it is that wally's slippers uh, that's the dad his slippers would be seen walking around the room on their own Even though it did sound funny, they described it as being terrifying, of course. Sometimes the slippers would also lift and float in midair and make its way around the house. Shirley and her family would follow it, and it would always end up falling on the ground. So it never led to anything, but it kind of was like a game almost to them. Weird. And it's how it felt. Okay, so I'm starting to think, especially because it's like listening to the girl. Mm Mm-hmm. And so, so it's listening to her when it says like stop or like moving things for her. And it's, like, making shoes fly and stuff right. like this. 
I'm a feeling that this is like a youthful spiritual presence. See, that's a really good point because I think a lot of times the way it was described, either not just the podcast, I don't know if I got that vibe as strongly there, but in articles and everything, it always felt like it was some sort of kid. No, older person. Oh, really? Yeah, I always got the vibe that that's what they were feeling or thinking about. I don't really know. They do know or they think that the entity was old, at least. Like, not old in age, but um, from a long time in the past. Just because of some of the things that happened later. I guess I was seeing it as, like, only a kid would pick up slippers because they thought it was scary. But then if it is an old guy, maybe the way it is, the old guy is picking up the slippers because you know how much old people love slippers. (laughs) I love slippers. No, I know you do. That's because you're old at heart. (laughs) I'm an old, Like, slippers is such an old person thing. Just, like, having full body pajama sets that you wear, you know, like, the button-up shirt and pants. Like, that's an old person thing. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Stop describing me. (laughs) (laughs) You granny. <laughs> okay, so yeah, the uh, the whole slipper thing happened. Uh, little things. Okay, this is where it got a little like, whoa. This is no longer funny. Is little things around the house would suddenly burst into flames. Luckily, the family was always able to put them out before it got out of control. Bed sheets would also be pulled away in the middle of the night, and even when they would be put back on the bed, it would be again ripped off in front of their eyes. So I always wondered when this happened, if people just slept without bed sheets or like, you know, their blankets, because I'd be like, well, what's the point? But why are people even like, if I see that happen in front of me, my first thought isn't, well, I'm going to go to bed now. I'm going to be like, <laughs> I'm leaving this house and burning it to the ground. Right. Sure. Well, because apparently there's a lot of people willing to deal with a lot more hauntings than me. Yeah. I mean, also, the, again, if you remember, they are like working class. They're just making ends meet. They don't really have anywhere to go. It's the only place that they are. I mean, you know, sometimes you don't have a choice. Um, So all those things started happening to her. And yeah, it started getting worse for sure. Other things that would happen, she would be woken up in the middle of the night and she would hear scratches on her headboard. She would always call her father or someone in to like come help her. But unfortunately, there was nothing anyone can do. Mm. They would be able to bear witness at least and see um, that something in fact was happening. She would also sometimes be thrown out of her bed. So now it's getting more and more physical. And violent. Yeah, violent, I guess I should say, towards Shirley specifically. Again, like I said, since the family did see this, other people started noticing and seeing things happen on their own. There's going to be more stories about that that I'll tell, but it is impressive to think that if you're still a skeptic, then you would have to also believe that the family would have had would have been able to accomplish such great illusions at Mm. the time, too. So, you know, I know that illusions exist. That's how magic tricks happen, you know, all these good things. But that takes a lot of practice, that takes talent, and that takes time. You know, this was just a regular family who worked and, you know, whatever. So, who knows? So, because of all this, and like I said, getting a lot of attention from people, it didn't take long until the media got a hold of it. So, there was a time where there was a police report Uh, filed kind of against the family or i don't know if it was a police report specifically but a call was made saying that there was a big disturbance coming from the hitchings place oh so like from a neighbor yeah just being like you know they're really loud and this is getting out of control what's going on so the police went down there and they investigated and they interviewed everyone and saying what's going on they kind of laughed it off and saying okay if you guys are just playing tricks stop it you know we're not gonna do anything right now but tone it down sure And so I don't know if this specific 
news report and also the buzz around the neighborhood. It was probably a combination of everything, but a journalist got a hold of the police report and printed it on paper. So it was kind of like an official thing now that sure. people were like, "Oh, it's not just rumors. These are this is really happening." If it's in the, if, it's, if the police have it, then this is exactly kind of thing. So that's what happened. A lot of people started pointing the finger at Shirley, saying that she's just doing it for attention. They didn't know how because they'd be like, I, "She's like, I'm not. How do you think I'm doing this?" And they're like, "Well, we don't know, but we know it's you," and all these different things. So she was feeling really targeted and sad, and nothing was getting better for her. But if you really think about it, when you're talking about poltergeists, they really are always seeking attention initially. Mm -hmm. So maybe it wasn't Shirley, but the poltergeist was getting what he wanted. Absolutely. So I don't know. And a lot of poltergeists that we hear about usually do center around young people, Mm -hmm. kids and whatnot. And so. Yes. And I'm so glad you brought that up because I'm going to talk about that in a bit too. Um. So before I get into what you just said, the, uh, the journalists were starting to to harass the family more and more. Sure. And they started even camping outside her house and waiting for her to come out to take pictures, yell at her, get you know in, any information. So she felt literally trapped in this home now as sure. well. So like you said, you're like, why doesn't she just leave? Well, she just can't just leave. Even if she wanted to get away for the day, she would have been followed. When the family realized that the media was not going anywhere, they decided to um, allow some journalists and interview them. They figured if they were going to talk about it, then they might as well get the truth. Absolutely. Did they get to go into the house? They did. Yeah. So there were, I I think there was, yeah, I think there was two. It was a guy and a girl. Uh, Shirley told them about the story, how the clock would often move on its own. Mm, So they saw stuff. Well, I think this one they were anticipating it to happen, and I think it did. So it would happen all the time, she said, and she would also tell them about the pots and pans but they never saw that happen and it would also move in different patterns so whenever the clock sometimes would float from the mantle sometimes it would be pushed off thrown across the room you know all these kind of erratic behaviors shirley also revealed that she would often communicate with donald they had a system where one knock was for no and two knocks was for yes after learning this the journalists decided that they wanted to communicate with donald as well they asked him if he was evil, and he replied no. They asked him if they could help him, and he said yes. When they asked about the key, Donald did confirm that he was the one that put it on the pillow. Mm. Lastly, they asked if he was in love with Shirley, to which he responded yes. Ugh. Really f- bleh, gross. Like, did they, were they able to find out what the key was for? No. Not in this session. I think at some point they started asking it more complex questions and Donald stopped responding. So mm. they were kind of like, well, you can't uh, ask him only yes or no questions, but they were kind of not doing that. Maybe it was the key to his heart. That Aww. is. <laughs> Burn it. <laughs> yeah, like, melt it and melt make it. a cross out of it. I know. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that would be the best. Um, yeah, definitely not cute. So after the interview, the newspaper and other media outlets went wild and couldn't stop talking about it even more. Uh, There was even an article that was placed on the front page describing that Donald was Shirley's, quote, ghostly lover, Mm. end quote. So You know how the reporters are going to take this and make it awful. Oh, my. Oh, and they did. A lot of the headlines, you don't even know. 
Uh, poor Shirley recalled that moment being incredibly embarrassing. And please remember, she was only 15. This would have completely devastated me at the time as well. Absolutely. And this is this is the 50s. This is the 50s, like this 58. Is, yeah, yeah, this is when the teenage era was finally being recognized by the media as like a significant moment in in becoming an adult. Yeah, exactly. And so, I mean, at the time she didn't even have a boyfriend or anything. So, I don't know. That kind of that somehow made it worse. It's like, do you, you know, know if she's still alive? Cuz she is. 15 in the 50s, that she'd probably be in her what, late 80. 70s, early 80s, something like that. Yeah, she's 80 I think now. Now. Yeah. It's so like you said, actually I did read someone was mentioning that it is theorized that perhaps a lot of the headlines had these kind of sexual undertones because of the teenage culture was thriving at that time. Sure, sure. It was being recognized. There was a lot of things targeting uh, teenage attention, mm-hmm. um, profiting, and also just like popularity. It was a market. Exactly. So it was kind of all in the mix of it all. And sexualizing, I guess, was the only thing they could think of. Um, <sighs> Bastards. Yeah, exactly. So uncool. However, one good thing did kind of come out of it. A ghost hunter by the name of Harold Chibbett, uh, Chib for short, went to the family's home and offered to help them. Now, Harold Chibbett in the documentary is played by that that one actor I told you, that one that was the a doctor. doctor. Yeah, yeah. In, in The Winter Soldier. So that's him. At this point, they were kind of hesitant, of course, because they were like, we've had a lot of people approach us saying, hey, maybe we can help. They didn't want to be exploited. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, they didn't want to like get caught up in something again. So I guess uh, Chib was able to convince the father, just give me five minutes to talk to you. I promise it'll be worth your time. And I guess fortunately, the five minutes turned into three hours, and they definitely accepted his offer to help. I think it was mostly because Chib was really there to observe and to understand what was happening. And I think his theory was the more he understood what was really going on, perhaps he could find a solution along the way. Sure. So it wasn't like he was coming, you know, guns blaring, saying, we need to do this and that, and let's just do, you know what I mean? Because he didn't even know the situation. He didn't come in like the Warrens? No. No. <laughs> We got the solution, and it's going to be exploitative. Exactly. It's like, I got it. I need to write a book. <laughs> no, he didn't do any of that. So it was really it was really nice of him. He actually ended up staying most nights at their house. He would just stay in the, in the kitchen. I guess that's where he would sleep. Um, and then the next day, he would go to his real job, where he was actually a tax inspector. So by day, tax inspector, night, he was a paranormal investigator. Yeah, <laughs> It's like the weirdest superhero thing ever. I love it. <laughs> I kind of like this guy. He's like, well, I got to go to my job now, but no pots and pans flew today. Yeah, he's like, noted. Yeah. Now that we have Chib, um, I think a lot of people might have been like, oh, I'm sure the paranormal activities have decreased or, you know, maybe he didn't see all that that was saying. Not true. It was actually occurring whether Chib was there or not. So he had a pretty impressive collection of documents that describe every single detail of what happened in that house. These documents would eventually uh, land in the hands of Danny Robbins, the guy that I was telling you about, the documentary guy. Sure, sure. Uh, for the podcast. And that is why I go to him so to so many sources, because that is the source. He has the, the paperwork he of has this all investigator. The, uh, right, exactly. So, so and did this investigator like try to publicize this and make money on it? Did he have any other possible ulterior motives? Or did he kind of just document this and that was that so we can take what he wrote with a little bit more faith he actually was just there to really document it to be honest he so never he, yeah, he, sold them out so he, he wasn't warrant like i not to bring up the warrants again like in, this one is in a legit way where 
this wasn't a means to get money and fame no, or success. No, it wasn't like he was leaking things to the media sure. or anything like okay. that. And in fact, you'll find out in some of the, the stories that I'll tell you, he was trying to help them to not fall into other people's other agendas. Sure. So he was there to like also protect them in, in a kind of way okay. as well. Um, he was kind of doing it, if you want to think about it this way, for the science. He really was there to like learn. Perfect. Yeah, so back to more hauntings. One night, Shirley woke up the entire house with her screams. Everyone in the house ran to her aid, and when they got to Shirley, they were left completely speechless. There on the bed, Shirley was floating six inches above the bed. They could see that the bed sheets were draped over her body, so John, the adopted brother I had mentioned before, mm-hmm. he had always been kind of a skeptic. He kind of fell he into that. He wasn't sure he believed this crap. Right. He didn't He didn't want to believe it. Also, too, um, is how a lot of people described it. It's like he just couldn't accept sure. something like this could happen. But anyway, so he thought it was a trick. He grabbed the sheets and pulled them away. And when he did, he could still see that Shirley was floating without any assistance. Poor Shirley was screaming for help, like, you know, get me down. What's going on? I can't move. And when they tried to push her down, her body was completely stiff, as if she was already lying on a surface. After some time, Shirley was released, and she fell on her on the bed on her own. This is when things really started to get worse. I mean, I know we already talked about the fire. She was already kind of thrown off the bed. But this Absolutely. is like, I mean, full physical control over her body. And that's terrifying. After this incident, Chib came to the conclusion that Donald was, in fact, a poltergeist. I think he already kind of knew, but he had a really you know, get more evidence to really nail it down and say, this is a poltergeist. He described the spirit as, um, that caused physical disturbance and often targets one person. He also uh, goes on to explain that poltergeists are triggered and fueled by young people. Mm. And I know you mentioned that before. That's where we're getting into it now. Specifically teenage girls that are going through puberty. This is of course, according to him, uh, because young girls give off a pure energy that was a quote from him. I kind of cringed when I heard it, but at the same time, maybe he just meant it like there's just a lot of activity. Vulnerable. I don't know. I actually don't know what he meant well, by it. Well, the but- entirety of human history is full of examples of some sort of obsession with young girls that are pubescent because they are supposed to be, I don't know, uh, the way it's described is they're supposed to be like virtuous and virginal, yeah. but they're also able to procreate, so they're a woman now. I Human history is obsessed with it. It's it's awful, but it's there. It is there. And so I think he was just trying to, like, come up with some, maybe a concept as to, like, why teenage girls, it always happened to more. Who knows? But that was his theory. Hearing this information obviously did not sit well with Shirley. She was so scared and um, felt like everything was her fault. As a result, her dad uh, wanted to end the investigation and tell Chib, you know, I think we're done here. Let's not go any further. But fortunately, Chib was able to convince him to stay because he said, look, right now, I know you guys are, you're experiencing all the all the right traits. And he started saying, okay, you guys already have the loud banging. You guys have a person that is being targeted. Objects are moving around. And now you're communicating with them, right? You're communicating more. And I guess a lot of times when they were communicating with Donald, it was not when Chib was around. I'm not sure why this was, but because he guessed correctly, um, they were like, well, how did you know this is true? So maybe you do know a few things. Like, oh, you right, know, maybe you sure. can't help us. So I think that's where it was letting. I think there was always this hesitant, like maybe Chib was 
going too out of line, but then every once in a while he'll like say something crazy and you're like, oh shoot, maybe you're right, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. kind of thing. Well, <laughs> Granny Ethel was not buying any of this. She uh, didn't think it was a poltergeist. She believed it was the devil. She also believed that Shirley was calling on him for attention, that she was summoning him. Uh, Gran had been known to throw holy water on her. <laughs> and <laughs> Just like, ooh, whoops. <laughs> just sprinkle some on that. And hold up a cross against her. Uh, whenever this happened, Donald would go crazy and sometimes damage more things. Mm. Like shredding window curtains, you know, moving objects, all that stuff. Uh, this made Shirley feel even more crazy. Uh, she stands by the fact that she couldn't control what was happening to her, so she wasn't conjuring the devil. She's like, even if it was a devil, I, it's still not my fault. I don't want the devil. Uh, but since it was happening anyway, almost everyone was telling her that she was possessed, maybe. And and she thought she was going crazy. Like, she actually started to think she was going crazy. No idea what to think anymore at this point. So you got, you know, Chip telling it's a poltergeist, not your fault, like it's just someone attaching to you. Kind of in a similar fashion, but not taking over your body, whereas if it was a devil or a demon, it is trying to infest your, it's trying to take your soul. You know what I mean? It's a little different. Anyway, what do you do with that information at 15? I don't know. (laughs) She's a lot stronger than I was. can anyone do? Yeah. At 15, I was making bad decisions. (laughs) I still remember them, and I kind of, like, cringe. I was, like, worried if I didn't make a friend. I'm, like, and now she's, like, going through something that no one even... There's no book. There's no, like, a chicken soup for the soul. You're being possessed. Yeah, you know? I would, like, go over my head, like, how am I... What am I supposed to say to this girl the next day at school? And I'd, like, go through 100 things. And that's just how to say hi. Not how I deal with a demonic possession or poltergeist. So, this poor girl. This poor girl. Exactly. Um... I also want to add that at this point, the family is exhausted, if you really think about it. And I don't mean like, oh, not again. I mean like physically sleep deprived. They They hear noises at night all the time. Their daughter is going through something they can't even understand. And uh, so at, at some point, like the father was asked to have a leave of absence from work because he was a train conductor for the Underground Railway. And that's a very dangerous job mm-hmm. to not focus. You don't doze off during that. Exactly. So they knew this situation in his house and they were like, look, I don't know what's going on, but we can't risk the lives of like hundreds and hundreds of people, obviously. So I think that only added to the stress of the situation since, you know, they need jobs to function. Nothing better than dealing with a haunted house by having to be there longer. Yeah. It's like, oh, good. Thank you. I, I really wanted to be here more. <laughs> it's like, the, it's like the, oh, I'm going to teach you for smoking a cigarette. I'm going to make you smoke the whole carton. <laughs> That'll show you. That's not how addiction works at all. All right. Um, so Donald also affected Shirley's job. Not in the same way, well, in the same way, but also he would actually follow Shirley to, to work and mm. cause trouble. Yeah. So this was not received well by the employer, of course, and had to let her go because oh, of man. it. So she couldn't even hold down a job. She couldn't hold down a job. She couldn't have a boyfriend. She couldn't, like, you know, socialize normally with other people because they were terrified of her. I mean, things were going bad at this point, There's too. No point Isolated to the true, truest form. So going back to Chib, he was trying to help, but at this point, I think he was kind of turning more into an observer. Sure. He wasn't really able to do a whole lot more other than record, try to understand the situation, and get information. So when Wally was approached by someone that claimed to be a medium, saying that he could help, Wally took the offer. 
The medium also conducted public readings, uh, kind of like how we see on TV, you know, like where there's a psychic in the middle and there's an audience around and he's like, did someone around here lose a loved one that starts with the letter P? Like, do you know what I mean? Sure, like, sure, with a sure. name, whatever. That's what he was, this guy. And so Chiv was totally against it. He's mm-hmm. like, he's like, he's he's a hoax. Like, it's going to be a bad time. He's just going to take your money or not that they had any money to offer, but they're going to use them to get money kind of sure. thing to exploit them. But again, they are tired. They don't know what to do. So Wally and Shirley went to go see one of his shows. Well, whatever happened that night did convince them enough to believe that this guy was the real deal. So they set up a time for a seance exorcism that he was going to perform on Shirley. So let's go into the exorcism. The family arrived at the guy's house and Shirley saw that the main room was low lit. There was a fireplace and there were other people in the room as well that she didn't recognize. Mm, It's sounding a bit like a movie setup. Yeah. Oh, my God. God, I think the guy in the podcast said that. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> that is so weird. Um, yeah, so she she learned later that they were actually reporters. So here we go with the exploitation kind of thing. Um, immediately, Shirley wanted to leave when she found that out, but they convinced her to stay. The medium also did instruct that no one take pictures during the ceremony. Sure. Um, as they continued, Shirley began to get even more frightened. She would scream and say that she wanted to leave, but by this point, they'd already created the circle which you can't break when you when you start Or it'll this. make things a lot worse. It'll make things worse, right. The light in the room began to flicker. The medium revealed that Donald was not his true name. He also said that he chose the girl. They didn't get any further than that, but I, the interpretation is that it was there to take her soul, so it was kind of more of a demon thing. Sure. Uh, so, but like I said, either fortunately or unfortunately, however you want to see it, the seance was interrupted by a loud knock coming from the front door because it was the police. Mm. Yeah, they had apparently uh, got tipped off saying that there was something going on in the house that night and that they were trying to summon the demon or like like bad things were going on. So that's You know, it was the- like some crazy next door neighbor who was, oh, yeah. you know, peeping in and everything. She's like, they're gonna ruin the world. <laughs> right, like property values down. Yeah, exactly. So totally got interrupted. Um, no matter what, they, they didn't complete the, the exorcism. Everyone's statement was taken, but nothing came out of it, so not no one was convicted or anything. But now, we have a broken seance. We have a broken seance. Or a broken exorcism, or was it both? Well, it was like a seance exorcism. I don't know what method a they were... A seancerism? A seancerism. <laughs> An exorcance? <laughs> An exorcance? I can't. Right. I can't think of words right now. Okay. Um... So anyway, one of the crazier things that came out of that is that the House of Commons actually debated over the matter. Oh, wow. Yeah, when a local member of parliament demanded an apology from the police department. And I, Whoa. Yeah, I don't know who who might not know, which I, to be honest, I was kind of like confused of what they did. But the House of Commons is where decisions are made for the public mm-hmm. and everyone can discuss about it. So, for example, approving new laws and taxes, that's kind of a big deal. Mm-hmm. It, it's official government stuff. Uh, I don't think formal apology was ever provided because the Home Secretary stated that, quote, black magic is an offense at common law, end quote, which I guess makes sense. But aside from maybe the guy that was performing the seance, Shirley really wasn't. It just shows where, how people have heightened feelings about this. At exactly. The time. So right now they're like talking about all these other things and Shirley's sure. like, I have no idea what, what you guys are doing. So whatever. Yeah, so despite that what anyone was saying, Donald 
had stopped harassing the family after the seance. Really? I figured it would have gotten a lot worse because he's like, oh, they're trying to perform an exorcism. Now I'm mad. Yeah. Or maybe he got scared. He's like, ooh, I better calm my shit so that I can stay around because <laughs> they're going to get rid of me. Yeah, things are getting too wild. Um, for the first time, Shirley thought that the nightmare was over. Unfortunately, though, the world around her did not want to let it go. One day, a man approached her, their home and asked to speak with Wally, but he wasn't home. The man ended up speaking with Kitty, the mom, instead, and uh, had somehow convinced her that they needed to let her daughter go with them because they needed her help. Okay. So he literally convinced Shirley to take her away. And so there Shirley went in a car with a complete stranger to God knows where. When she arrived at the house, she realized that the person that sent for her was one of the reporters that had done the interview a while back. Okay. Yeah. So they had her, not in front of everyone, but a woman had her stripped naked to make sure that she wasn't hiding anything. Then after she got dressed, uh, they started taking pictures of her. They would ask her to take off her boots and hold them near her face, and all the while still taking pictures, never explaining why they were doing this. Okay. Shirley would ask, of course, can I go home? Can I go home? And they're like, no, you know, don't go home. It's fine. The journalist later took her to a doctor for an examination as well. While she was in the room with the doctor, Shirley also again demanded, I want to go home. I don't want to do this anymore. But no one would listen. It wasn't until the doctor started hearing knocking coming from his desk. And then all the things on top of it violently fell on the ground. Uh. The doctor ran out of the room (laughs) scared. And the girl was taken home. So, in a way, Donald helped her, but Donald's back, essentially, too. So, here we go. Well, he's still got that crush, apparently. Yeah, he's like, you can't hurt my love. I didn't like saying that. After this, the newspaper put out a story that the entire thing was a hoax because they had pictures of her with her boots, saying that she was causing the noises with those boots. So, they were like... The only reason because no one's heard what a boot on the ground sounds like. Right. So they were really hamming it up, saying, like, look, she came to us and told us that it was all a hoax and showed us the boots that she used to to make all those noises. And all the while, this being not true, Mm -hmm. according to Shirley. However, the new version of this story that they were trying to put out of the hoax did not last very long because, as we discovered, Donald did return and he returned with vengeance. Now he's angry. Now he is pissed. So a fire broke out in the house in the middle of the night. Their Uh house. Wally and Kitty's bed had burst into flames, which unfortunately, Wally got injured. Like, their bed just went up in flames? Mm -hmm. Was it because one of them was, like, smoking in bed and this... That's a really good question. Uh, Because this was back when people did smoke in bed. They did. Well, I don't know. I know the grandma for sure smoked. Okay. Because she smoked out of a pipe. I remember hearing about that. Hmm. But other than that, I don't know about the parents. I'm not going to lie. And I'm not... These people are already going through a really hard time. I would not blame them if an accident happened. Mm -hmm. Like a cigarette lighting the bit on fire. And they could easily try to blame it on this. Because they're already dealing with this. It just... It's going to make... It's going to keep their lives from getting too hard. Oh, yeah. So I wouldn't blame them if they did that. If this was the poltergeist, though, that's like... That's turning everything up to 11. Oh, yeah. It's totally to 11. Um, because the fire did end up getting out of control and the fire department was called and went out there to put out the flames and everything. And then, of course, there was an investigation, but they couldn't find anything. 
The Daily Express and South London Advertiser quoted a police officer saying that they didn't know how the fire was started. They didn't see any evidence that the fire was started intentionally either. Okay. So that's going in their favor too. Right. Uh, Wally went to the hospital for treatment, of course. And when they were done, the doctor had a few questions. He asked, how did you get the injury? They replied, well, it was a fire. It's a a burn. You know, my, my house went up to flames or whatever. The doctor said that he knew that, but he was asking more about what, how he got the three deep scratch marks in the middle of his burn site. Uh, no one had an answer to that one. That's gross. That sounds painful as hell, too. Yeah, but they knew things were getting worse. Because he couldn't figure out, like, why are, they, why are there scratch marks in the middle of your burn? Mm. Yep. And that, my friends, is the end of part one. See, now I don't know what happens. This isn't fair. <laughs> Sorry, listeners. I'm upset, too. But I think since that's the end of part one, we should take a quick break, get some refreshed drinks so that I can tell you a little story. Yay. Yeah, I definitely need a break. I feel like I've been talking forever and my mouth is dry. Okay. We'll see you guys in a few. (laughs) All right, guys, we're back. Uh, We just heard part one of the poltergeist story from Lily. Part two will be next episode. Right now, I've got a little bit of a story because keeping in theme with our tiki drink uh, that we're, you know, doing for the summer to enjoy, I've got another tropical terror for you. (laughs) And this is straight from Hawaii, so it's not only an island, it is tropical. So, yay for... Heck yeah. For for that, so at least my title doesn't sound weird. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) So this one's straight from Hawaii, and this one kind of relates to one of the stories you've already done, which I really Ooh, like. Ooh, okay. Yeah. So this is a story of a ghost of legend. So I'm going to talk about the Green Lady of oh. Wahiawa Gulch. Not to be confused with the Green Ladies is from Scottish Castles. Apparently, that is a thing. I didn't look into it because it's out of my realm. That's kind mm-hmm. of in your world because it's not. I mean, I know Scotland's part of an island, but that's out of my tropical stuff. Sure. Uh, so the Green Lady of Wahiawa Gulch is a singular and very a singular entity, and it's very specific just to Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Wahiawa Gulch is located on the island of Oahu. And it's just northwest of the city of Honolulu, the capital of oh, Hawaii. Okay. So um, for those of you who don't know all the islands, you know, you've got like Maui and Hawaii itself and Oahu and everything. Oahu is one of the smaller islands, but since Honolulu's there, it's a very it's a it's a very well traveled and visited one because it's got like the biggest city. Mm-hmm. So according to the legend, a woman with her children regularly visited the Wahiawa Botanical Gardens and the nearby gulch that was right next to it. Uh, By the way, if I'm pronouncing this wrong, there's a lot of (laughs) Hawaiian words, and they have such a beautiful way of pronouncing them, and I'm bad at it, so I mean no disrespect. I'm doing my best. So anyway, um, the woman, when she would visit these botanical gardens with her children, on her way, there's this giant road that crosses the gulch going to the botanical gardens, but she refused to take it. She was Hmm. so afraid that if she took it, her kids might get hit by a car. Now, before we go on, I couldn't find out how old this legend was. Like, there wasn't a specific, like, this happened on 
December blah of 1930. Oh, or so whatnot. she might have just been afraid of travel in that form well, in general. But I would I was assuming because almost every version of the story says she was afraid her children of getting hit by a car. Mm-hmm. We can just assume that this legend came about in the 20th century because cars have to oh, be. Oh well, yeah, I see. But I don't have a specific time frame for it. Um, Weird. It definitely was the 20th century, but. You know, everyone has That's seen this ghost the, uh, at different times. Time there was like a high profile viewing in the 80s. So we know it's mm. before that and everything. So cool. And this cool. is one that even adults in Hawaii, they know this story. So it's been around for a while. <laughs> so instead of letting her kids cross the road, they would always cross by going through the gulch, which is an area dense with plants and trees and everything that you got to go through. Mm-hmm. While moving through the gulch, the forest became so dark and dense that she became separated from her children. She frantically mm. looked for them. Into, I mean, she couldn't find them, and she kept searching all the way into the night. Nothing. No luck. And she was never seen again. Holy cow. Some say she died of heartbreak, which, I mean, I guess is something you could say. Okay, this happened. is sounding like, like, you don't know. <laughs> uh-huh. We're getting to that. Okay. And some say something more sinister happened to her. Now, one variation of the story that I should mention is that she only lost one child while crossing the gulch, and then she went back in and brought her other children with her so that she wouldn't lose them to find the kid, and then they were never seen again. Both versions of the story involve all her children and her never being seen again, but one is they're all missing at once, and the other is she goes back in. And then they all miss. The going back in makes it sound a little bit more tragic because, like... Let's go find one kid, and I now know. we can't lose everybody. So it was kind of a bad sacrifice. And it I also guess. makes more sense that that would have happened because maybe she told someone, I lost my kid, because otherwise how would people know this story if she just disappeared? See, that's my, that's my thing. It's like, how would you have known that she was looking for them, like that she lost them initially and then disappeared? Exactly, which yeah. is why I like the story. The assumption she went out, and she's like, I, my kid, where's my kid? She's like, I got to go back and find him. People are like, oh, she's... She's going after her kid, and then she was never seen again. Sure. Like, okay. Sure. Something crazy happened. But, so some people say she just died of heartbreak, and as I said, uh, a lot of the people in the area said something much worse happened to her. Mm. And and the main reason is because her story doesn't end with her just disappearing. The kids do, though. Aww. Many claim to have seen her since. They have seen a specter of this woman walking through the gulch, even up till modern times. Mm. She's most commonly seen at night, but she has been seen during the day. People who see her describe her as having green-tinted skin, sharp, jagged teeth, possibly even fish-like scales. What? Her body is covered in rotting moss and seaweed. And the most notable thing about her is that she smells like rotting plants. She is said to snatch children who cross the gulch in order oh, <laughs> to replace those that she lost all those years ago. Okay, now we're totally in uh, La Llorona territory. Some say she even feasts on the children after she snatches them. Ooh. So yeah, like, you're totally on it. That's kind of the big thing, is while I started reading this, I'm like, it's totally a Hawaiian variant. I'm not saying it came after or was even influenced, but it's such a La Llorona story. It is, yeah. And so it is kind of creepy, you know? A mother who lost her children, she's like, but you'll do. And that's that's yeah. such a scary thought. You You're know? like, what the heck? Rude. Many speculate that this story is told to keep children from running into the gulch on their own as a safety precaution, which does make sense. It works like the grim fairy tales in that they have a message, a moral or warning to them. It's about protecting kids from obvious harm. Mm-hmm. But people have claimed that the green lady doesn't restrict herself to the gulch or 
to the nighttime either. There's a nearby Wahiawa Elementary School that borders the gulch. Of course there is. And people (laughs) claim to have seen her on the edge of the school grounds staring (gasps) at the children during the day. What the fuck? Mm -hmm. She's also been seen on the road that crosses the gulch. The very road she avoided because she didn't want her kids to die. So even children avoiding the gulch, yeah, because they were told not to go to the gulch, say, are at risk here. They're not even safe of being above. captured. Okay, as you can imagine, just because kids be kids, <laughs> one game that they tend to play is they dare each other to run across the gulch at night. Oh God! The less risky kids might take the road when they're crossing instead, but as we just established, she's supposed to be haunting everywhere. Yeah, so it's still something kids do to like scaredy cat each other. It is said that if you are near the gulch and you smell strong rotten odor, that the green lady is nearby. Mm. And if you know, like, <laughs> if you know all those stories about smelling rotten flesh, that's usually a demonic possession. Oh yeah. My first assumption would be a demonic possession, not some green fish lady. Sure. Um, but either way, just randomly smelling something rotten. If I know I'm not near a trash can, it's probably gonna terrify me because it's never the a thing good is, thing. Oh, so. But her rotting smell is a little different. It's like plant matter, which is super different than like rotting meat, which Absolutely. is like what I think is associated with demons. At least that's what you hear. Absolutely. So, yeah. So although less common when people talk about this, some people have described the green lady as looking far more creature-like and less human mm. or female. These descriptions aren't dissimilar to a Japanese creature known as the kappa, which is a reptilian creature with webbed feet, green skin, and a turtle-like shell. Ugh. So for those of you that are uh, were as obsessed with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles as <laughs> I was growing up, you probably are familiar with this term because in the third Turtles movie, they go back in time to ancient Japan. Oh God. And when they see the turtles, they call them kappa. Because oh, it's, really? Because... It's so funny because I remember hearing that. And in the movie, they said, oh, it just means demon. But when I started reading about them, I'm like, oh, no, it's not just demon. It's this weird green turtle-like demon. And that I'm like, looks so like it's that. very yeah. literally, it was actually pretty brilliant. So, no, that's really cool. I didn't even know that. I remember seeing the third Turtles movie, but I think I saw that the least out of all. Most people did. For some yeah. reason of the original three movies, most people hate the third one. I actually really liked it. Um, I hated the second one, which tended to be a lot of people's favorite. I thought the first was the best. The third was the second best. And I really didn't like the second one. And the like second, the second one, one is with like the... Vanilla Eyes. That's right. I was like, why am I blinking right now? Yeah, the okay. second one has... They've got the cool human sidekick. He was the best part of the movie. I think his name was like Kino. Yeah. Uh... uh yeah, he was like was the it? martial arts kid. He was actually the best part of the movie. Yeah, he I was liked cool. him. Right. But then they had like the giant werewolf and snapping turtle monsters yes. and the super shredder and yes, vanilla yes. ice. I just thought everything was turned to eleven. I didn't like it. Yeah, it was it was ridiculous. I think I liked all of them. No, I liked the third one too. I just don't know why I never watched it. It probably didn't come on TV as much. I, I don't was know. I was obsessed with this as a kid. I I don't know why yeah. I'm a weirdo. But anyway, <laughs> so I just remember that in the movie. I remember that moment where they're like Kappa. and I'm like, Oh, demon, but now when I read it, I'm like, Oh, it's a turtle demon. Yeah. So anyway, it, 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 perfect. Th- this is some people when they're describing the Green Lady, they actually describe it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, which so Hawaii has a large proportion of people who are either Japanese or have Japanese heritage. In fact, it's the second largest a- ethnicity on the islands. Oh, cool. Okay. So it makes a lot of sense that like a green demonic presence and whatnot. If it's something you're familiar with, they're associating it, relating mm-hmm. it. 
that that relation between the two makes a whole lot of sense, mm-hmm. which is pretty cool. I'd love to go into the into this more, but I purposefully only read the intro to it because it's your realm, and you're gonna have to tell me about it. Oh, sometime okay, soon. I sure. Well, I want you to tell <laughs> me more about it because I'm hoping you do a lot more Japanese uh, horror folklore stuff. Because I know I haven't. Right. No, I, I will. And Japan's on yeah. our on our soon to travel to bucket list once the world's a little more calm. So you're gonna have to start getting them out there. Oh, so I that will we can because have places um, to visit, things to see. Japan has some of the craziest, most horrifying stories I've ever heard. Uh, legends and also that place is super haunted. So yeah, I, I can't wait to tell some stories from there. So fish scales, stinky, rotting, green skinned lady Perfect. with creepy teeth. <laughs> Or turtle demon creature. I don't know about you, but I can definitely say I would be scared if I saw either of them. I think I'd be scared if I saw either of them, but I think I'd be less scared of the evil demon or the evil lady taking children because I'm not I'm no longer a child. So unless she's taking adults in their 30s, then for sure I'll be scared. But a demon, he don't care. Like, but remember in the story they said sometimes she, some people claim that she eats the children, and you know, like. I have my favorite foods, but if I'm hungry enough, I might eat something a little bit different. <laughs> so like you a know, wild animal, they're yeah, like, you know human's what? not my favorite, but all right. Like I don't really like shellfish, but if I'm starving, I'll eat a lobster roll. It's going to happen. Sure. <laughs> so you might be the lobster roll for a child eater. Close enough. I'll be like, you bastard. I think I'm scared of both. Um, oh, I'm scared of both too. And besides, it's, it's awful that, you know, if it was real and this lady was eating children, then <laughs> I don't want children to be eaten of course so but apparently this is a super well-known legend in hawaii like on all the islands but it takes place very specifically on oahu um which i think is really awesome so like you you broke your story up into two i have two stories from hawaii and i'm gonna break up in into two and i'm gonna add the second one on the end of your second story oh okay so i have another hawaii story you got another mini story for me yeah and so i'm gonna i'm gonna finish off your part two with my Hawaii part two with another well-known story. Sweet. I love these. These are... No, I don't know. I love both. I love the UFO and the Tiki Terrors. But the UFO is mostly because they probably scare me more. Oh, and I've got I've got a, I've got a really good UFO one Uh-oh. coming up soon. Ooh, okay. And so depending, you know, because we like to gauge our lengths, depending, I might have that ready for the next episode. Okay. And it might be the one after, but I've got a really good UFO one. Well... With guns and shooting. <laughs> gun with guns Mm -hmm. perfect uh yeah so i mean obviously everyone knows what my story is going to be next time it's going to be part two of the battersea poltergeist and if i'm not mistaken i never said battle sea so you know i didn't i didn't hear it once yeah i think you're good so i'm happy about that and i'll try to continue my streak of giving you a good story who knows we'll see and uh we mentioned in the last episode there is a documentary coming out about people staying in the conjuring house yeah, and, that's and right. Ever since I mentioned it, it's been starting to pop up on my news feed. Ooh. And I there I even saw a news story where apparently the people who stayed there for two weeks, they're still dealing with it, like <gasps> mentally, that they're still having trouble. So there's so, been like a after aftermath uh Yeah, like I don't know if they've interviews. been having hauntings afterwards or if just what they dealt with is still affecting them emotionally. Blech. Um but I'm I'm getting more excited, and that one's I can't remember the exact date I said, but it's coming out like within a week. Yeah, I don't so, remember when either. But on video on demand, so I'm pretty excited. Should be yeah, I'm pretty. That one I'm definitely gonna watch. Like, if I have to pay for it or whatever, I'm it's happening. 
So we're pretty excited because we're going to go to a New Mexico United game here pretty soon. Oh, yeah, we got to so. get ready. So <laughs> I think we have to cut this. No, it's actually not short at all. We've, I think we're still going to be within the hour realm. So you guys are going to get a pretty good long story. Absolutely. Today, and I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, I worked really hard on this one. Thanks, Vivi, for making it was me work. <laughs> So good job, baby. You actually uh, you actually got a really solid one to keep her busy. Yeah, this That's one's, awesome. This one's meaty for sure. And but to be honest, I'm very happy about it. I I had it in the back burner for so long. She like texted me about this. She's a like, long "What's time. up? Where's this happening?" No, no, I don't. I don't know if she ever brought it up. In fact, I think I brought it up, and I'm like, "So I know I said I'm always gonna like do story suggestions, but holy cow, you really gave me like." the biggest story ever so but yeah no i I'm, I'm happy now that i finally delve into it and i was like listen lily get your ass working and i did and i discovered this podcast again uh totally listen to it well we've been really happy we've been getting uh, a good number of suggestions recently we've got a couple very recently we're going to look into so if you also have more story suggestions please contact us it's been working out really well mm-hmm. uh you can email us at hotwpodcast at gmail.com send us through social media or if you have our you know normal phone numbers and whatnot you can text us <laughs> and everything like that please tell us we're really excited to see it and we want to thank all of you for joining us today uh, if you're having a drink cheers to you uh if you're being productive keep at it and have a drink later and if you happen to be hungover while listening to this don't worry because the best cure for a hangover is fear bye see ya